This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We started talking about um, this book, Run with the Horses, last week. And uh, this is an invigorating study for me. And I hope you are going to get something out of it or have gotten something out of it already. And today we're going to consider the word before, okay, the word before. So in chapter three of the book, Run With The Horses, the title of that chapter is Before. And I was thinking about my own book, which uh, will be coming out next month, and um, that in the first chapter, let me find this picture. In the first chapter of my book, which is entitled Roots, I open the chapter with this quote. If you know where you are from, it will be harder for people to stop you where you're going. Okay? If you know where you are from, it will be harder for people to stop you where you are going. And like I said, the title of that chapter is Roots, and it deals with my tribe, my people, my ancestry, my heritage, where I came from, where I was born, where I was raised, the schools I went to, the influences in my life, the friends I had, the churches that we grew up in. And so it's all in that, in my book, in that chapter, it's all about chronology and family and ancestry, right, and geography. It's about all those natural things. Well, in the third chapter of the book, Run With the Horses, which we still have a couple copies of if you want one of those, so you can read it on your own too. You can get that after church. In the third chapter, Peterson talks about before. And he also opens up with a quote. But his quote is from the book of Jeremiah because we know that Run With the Horses is about the life and the prophecies and the ministries of Jeremiah. And so he opens up with verse 5 which for a lot of us, this verse has brought a lot of hope to us. And it has brought a lot of comfort and a lot of promise. And we've claimed it. A lot of us have claimed it as our own. And I'll talk about why in just a second. But the verse says, and this is God talking, okay, God talking to Jeremiah. And he says, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. And the reason I think that 
that verse excites us and gives us hope and promise is because we understand immediately that it's one of those verses in the Bible that is said to one individual in that moment, at that time, but it's way bigger than that, right? It's actually a statement that transcends time and transcends cultures and transcends geography and transcends everything because that statement is made not just to Jeremiah but to millions of people who lived after Jeremiah including now hear this because this is super super important stuff it is a statement that is made to you you wouldn't be sitting in this room right now listening to my voice with this company of people if this statement wasn't made to you the statement is made to us and again he says before I shaped you in the womb so now stop hearing this in terms of God talking to Jeremiah and start right at this second hearing it in terms of God speaking to you you individually before I shaped you in the womb I knew all about you before you saw the light of day I had holy plans for you a prophet to the nations who me what no no that's only for a select set of folks whose names are famous right Jeremiah Isaiah Ezekiel Daniel those guys those guys uh, God had a plan for them to be prophets to the nations but not me oh hold on a minute yeah you you well how can that happen I don't I don't have a voice that carries around the world to the nations well think about it neither did they as a matter of fact, they had way less of a voice than you do. How do I know that? Because they couldn't plaster the message on Facebook. And when you plaster it on Facebook or Instagram or any of those other things, it can go literally around the world, right? To the nations. They were more limited than we are. They were stuck in a spot in a very primitive time before modern technology. But God said, before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, and part of my plan was that you'd be a prophet to the nation. He's saying that to every child of God. Because what comes out of your mouth in terms of what God gives you to give away is for the nations. It may be for the individual that you originally speak it to, but it's way bigger than that. You are a mouthpiece in the kingdom for God Himself that makes you a prophet to the nations. And He finishes up with a validation, with an exclamation point. 
That's what I had in mind for you. 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 The before, listen, so I said, in my book, it's about family and geography and history, chronology, ancestry, biology, the natural. In this case, it's about way more than that. It's about the supernatural. It's about the call of God. It's about the anointing of God. It's about being a mouthpiece for God. It's about deeply spiritual issues. And Peterson says, the before is the root system of the visible now. I got to say that again. You got to you got to absorb it. It's got to hit home. The before is the root system for the visible now. So you look at a big beautiful tree and you see it in all its glory in springtime with the limbs and the leaves and the blossoms and if it's a fruit tree, when that season comes, you see it bearing the fruit, right? Well, did it start out like that? Did you have a yard that was empty yesterday and this morning you walked out and there it was in all its glory? No. There's a root system under it. And the root was actually the first thing that was established. And the root grew in process. And because the process went the way it was supposed to go, you end up with this tree. What we can see in the visible now is preceded always by the before. It's going to be really important to you by the time you leave here. So hang on. This is a quote from the book. The fundamental mistake is to begin with ourselves and not with God. How many of you would just say honestly, openly, okay, there have been points in my life that my life has just really been screwed up. <laughs> it's been riddled with problems, busted relationships, anxieties and depression, addiction, anger, fear, turmoil, chaos, poverty. Anybody been there? You know why that happens? I can answer for you. Why that happens in 100% of the cases, it's because humanity by and large starts with me instead of starting with Him. Because when we start with Him, we start with the root. We start with the before, but because before you ever saw the light of day, were even conceived in your mother's womb, He knew you. He knew all about you, and He had a plan for you. But what we do is we grow up and we are taught to choose our own way. To chase after our own truth. To be our own person. To exercise our own will. To discover our own purpose. 
And it has never worked in the history of humanity, and it still doesn't work to put ourselves at the center and to start with us instead of starting with Him. It does not work. The world is filled with chaos and crime and poverty and war and bloodshed and strife and hatred and perversion because we start with me. If you want to sum it up in one sentence, that would be a good one to offer. The fundamental mistake is that we start with me. Jeremiah's life, God says right here, did not start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's life did not start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's salvation did not start with Jeremiah. His truth did not start with him. But before he was born, the essential, listen to this, before he was ever born, the essential parts of his existence were already ancient history. You get that? His life, his breath, Everything about his existence was already before he ever was born, before he was ever conceived. His life was ancient history. And so God says, listen, here's where you have to start. You have to start with the root, and you have to start with me at the center, and you have to start by understanding that I've known all about you since way back, way back before you were ever even thought about. I knew all about you, and I made a plan for you. Your plan is to understand my purpose for you and to walk in it and to live in obedience to it. Your plan is to be a part of my kingdom. The plan, the plan I have for you is that you speak my words that you give away my truth. There's only one truth. I'm going to give it to you. Give it away. That's my plan for you. That you be a prophet. That you be a voice to the nations. A voice that gives away the truth of God. And listen, this is super, super important for us. We have a choice in life to be a consumer or to be a, a giver. Be a consumer or a giver. And God in this one verse shows us the formula for success in terms of which pathway we should choose and where it's going to take us. And it comes in this declaration where he says, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nations. What is he saying to Jeremiah in, that, in those few words? He's saying, listen, before you were born, before you were conceived, I already gave you away. I gave your life away. You can choose to seize it back and attempt to do something with it, but it's already been given away. So it will never really work for you to try to take control of it. 
because it's already been given away. Because this is what God does, y'all. He makes a plan for our lives to be given away. And then He challenges and exhorts and commands us in His Word, all throughout His Word, that the mission that should govern and dictate everything that we do is that we give ourselves away. And this stands in stark contrast to the, ways, to the way most human beings live. We don't want to give ourselves away. We want to get more for ourselves, right? So we become consumers instead of givers. And to be a consumer stands in direct opposition to the plan that God has for you to give you away. So God gives us all away, and the more we try to hold on to our own dreams and fulfillment and place ourselves at the center and make ourselves feel better and acquire more stuff or prominence or notoriety or self-esteem, the more our lives become empty and meaningless and frustrating and fruitless and void of purpose. Because it's not God's will that we get. It's God's will that we give. It's not His will that we be consumers. It's His will that we be givers. In John 12, 25, Jesus said, here's what's required for you re to really obtain the life that God has designed for you. You must give away the life that you think you already have. The life that you've planned for yourself. Give it away. Kill it. Get it out of the way. So that the life of Christ can be established in you and then you can really give and give and give in a way that is transformational to other people. It's this consumer mentality that keeps the Christian church from having the impact in the world that it's supposed to have, that it's here to have. Because look, the world looks in at the church and the church seems to be offering something. We're recruiting people because we have something to offer. We're even proselytizing people because we have something to offer. That means we are recruiting folks from other churches and trying to get them to come to our church. Because we have something better to offer than they're offering over there. And we want to fill up our chairs and we want to fill up our pews and we want to fill up our offering plates. And we want to have larger numbers on our ledgers. Because church around the world now is about business. It's corporate. It's about marketing. It's about strategy. It's about comforts. It's about feel good. And so... We, we operate as an organization, not a body, an organization that is drawing consumers. That's why 80 plus percent of Christian people do nothing in the kingdom. They don't give anything in terms of their time, their talent, and their treasure. They go to church to get what they can get for me. Can you bless me? 
Can you encourage me? Can you pray for me? Can you meet my need? And if you can't, the church hop and go off somewhere else searching. And, and, and every time I hear a, a story of somebody church hopping, running around trying to find what God's doing, trying to find this new thing, the thought that comes to my head is you're going to die with that popular song from a few years ago rolling around your head, I still haven't found what I'm looking for because God doesn't fulfill us that way. God calls us to give ourselves away. He doesn't do that because He doesn't love us. He does that because He does love us. Because He knows that is a key. You remember when Jesus told His followers, listen, I want to give you the keys to the kingdom. What do those keys look like? What does a key do? It opens a door, right? Does it open every door? No, but it opens a door. And man, the most invigorating thing in the life of discipleship that I have ever come across is to have a key placed in my hand, something that will unlock the next door so that I can see and participate in the thing that God is doing on the other side of that door that He has never allowed me in to this point because I haven't been ready for it. I haven't been committed enough for it. I haven't proven myself to be enough of a giver for Him to trust me to live on the other side of that door. Keys to the kingdom. What more valuable thing could you want in your life and so He gives us those keys as we exercise obedience. One at a time, we receive those keys. And it's a, it's a beautiful key. A key that's going to reveal all kinds of things to us when He hands us the key that unlocks the door to understanding that we are to give ourselves away. Listen. I've lived, I'm not talking out of ignorance. I've lived on both sides of that fence. Because I've been in lots of churches that had a consumer mentality. I've participated in them. I've served on staff at churches that had a consumer mentality across the board. And there came a day when I broke free. And when I broke free, I made a decision. I will never, ever go back. I don't care what level of entertainment is going on. I don't care how flashy the preacher is. I don't care what sorts of stuff they, programming they got for kids and youth. That is not the reason we should find a family, a kingdom family to worship with, to serve with. We need to find a place where people are giving themselves away on a daily basis. Because that is a key that will un unlock all sorts of revelation, and all sorts of freedom, and all sorts of peace in your life. I'll tell you how important it is, this business of God wanting to give us away. He had one begotten son 
right? And what does John 3.16 tell us he did with his only child? His only begotten child. For God so loved people that he did what? He gave him away. He gave him to the world. Why? So that whoever would believe on him would have eternal life. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not Jesus and neither are you. But just like he gave Jesus away, he's trying to give us away. Why? So that people we come in contact with can have eternal life. And not perish. Because we have a responsibility to introduce people to eternal life. To rescue the perishing, if you will. So, if you've ever contemplated the question, what is God's will for me? I can give you at least part of the answer. God's will for you is that you be given away. Because He knew all about you before you were born, and He has a plan for you, and His plan is that you be given away to the nations, that you be given away to the people around you, that you be given away to other people, that you be a giver and not a consumer. If you are looking for a person to fill up your life, to complete you spiritually, to help you to finally arrive at that point where you know you are good to go spiritually, you're in good relationship with God, you're feeling wonderful about all of that. If you're looking for me or anybody, any teacher, any preacher, any mentor, any author to get you there, stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. If you've been looking for a church to finally be that church that meets that need and bigs you up and, and supports you and, and, and makes you feel good and important and, and just satisfy all your spiritual longings, stop wasting your time and gas. That's not how it works. In the greatest paradox in the history of mankind, the way you get full is to empty yourself. The way you get satisfied is to give away what you got. The way you are to acquire your blessings is to bless somebody. It don't make sense to the world. I know it doesn't make sense. In the practical, in the natural, it makes no sense. Well, it's a God thing. It's not a natural thing. It's not a philosophy. It's not a theory. It's not an opinion. It's not a great idea. It's the truth. This is what is meant when the Scripture says that his ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. We think in terms of consumerism. He thinks in terms of giving. Benevolence. 
And so when you choose to be given away, you get all the gifts, every good and perfect gift, perfect gift that comes our way, it comes from the Father. And they come as we give. So here's what I call the big shift. Move from the worship of self to a consideration of the, what Peterson calls the vast before. Hey, and we're told, you know, don't worry about the past. Move on from the past. And certainly for all of us, there are things from our past that we just need to move on from. We need to stop hanging out there. We need to start thinking so much about that. You know, it's a constant war if you're like me, but it's a war worth waging. When I'm doing things I enjoy doing, working at the farm, animals, I'm on the lawnmower, working outside, cleaning the pool, which I don't really enjoy doing, but it's outdoor work, right? Do you know what happens? Inevitably, and I can't explain it, the thoughts that start coming to my mind are thoughts of problems I had with somebody. I start reliving it in my head. See, the things you enjoy doing should really be, should really have a good feeling around them and good thoughts and, you know, wholesome, positive. So why is it that the negative stuff tries to bombard the brain when you start doing things you enjoy? Because that's the way the enemy works, right? So I just have to deliberately grab these thoughts and replace them. It, it, it's not going to work. Listen, good piece of practical advice. It's probably not going to work for you to just say, well, I'm just going to quit thinking about that. No, you have to replace that with something else. You have to consciously and deliberately say, I'm going to start thinking about this. Right? It's like when I speak at a funeral. This is a, a little example. When I speak at a funeral and I start to get emotional because, you know, it's, it's a funeral and the person I'm speaking about, I usually know, knew pretty well. And I know my voice is going to quaver and, you know, whatever, and, and I'm trying to hold it together. You know what I do? I consciously and deliberately think about one of my grandchildren and the funny things they do and the rewarding chunk they have in my heart. And that'll bring me back to emotional stability, right? Well, we have the power to think about what we want to think about. So when the thoughts come that we really don't want them to be there, don't try to just say, well, I'm just going to quit thinking about it. No, just choose to start thinking about somebody else, and that will be pushed out, and you really don't even realize it's happening. And it's not a one and done either. You just have to keep doing it sometimes. But it works. 
But back to considering the vast before. Although it's not healthy to dwell in those things from the past, it is very, very healthy to go back into the vast before and to remind ourselves that before we were ever put together in our mother's womb, God knew all about us and had a plan formulated for us. Consider that. Let's consider moving from some focus on me to a focus on the fact that He had me in mind way back then. And finishing with a quote from Peterson, otherwise we live feebly and gropingly blind to the glory that we are known, chosen, and given away by God. What terrible adjectives. No, adverbs. I was an English major, I know the difference. Feebly and gropingly. Blind to the glory that we were known, that we've been chosen, and that we are here to be given away by God. Man, the great before, the vast before, the root system that came way before the visible now. Listen, whatever spot you're at in life, whatever's going on, whatever you're going through, you start right now. Just start right now. The enemy may have robbed you of a lot up to this point. But the measure of the success of your life is not going to be determined by what percentage of your life was lived in a bad place compared with what percentage of your life is lived in a good place. You understand what I'm saying? No. It's not about percentages. It's about if and when you finally get it and start living in it. So, if I was not a believer today, I'm 62 years old, but I heard this message and I repented for having me at the center for my whole life. 62 years. But I chose today that I'm going to turn the corner. I finally heard a truth that struck home that before I was born, God knew me. Had a plan for me. And I'm going to commit the rest of my life to giving myself away in obedience to His words. You know what? If that was the case for me, it's not, but if it was the case, and I died a month from now, I'm good. That's, that's, that's the reality. It's not about percentages. It's about if and when. If it's when you're 5, if it's when you're 25, if it's when you're 55, if it's when you're 80. If and when. I say, okay. I'm moving myself off the center. I'm going to embrace 
the truth of what God is saying and has said and is doing, and I'm going to allow Him to give me away to the world in whatever aspect that needs to happen according to His will and purpose. Let's pray. Father, there are people in this room who are here because they needed to hear this word, and it's an important day for them. And regardless of age or life circumstances or background, history, whatever, whatever levels of brokenness, chaos have happened in the past, this day is an important day because it's a day that you introduce them to the powerful principle of the vast before. And that you knew them. You've always known them, but you knew them way back before they were ever put together in their mother's womb. And you had a plan, and it's still a plan that is in effect right now. And today's a good day to start. So I pledge myself to start again. Because I start new every morning. And I pray for those who need to start now that they would make that decision. Your Holy Spirit would guide them and they would know that we here at this house are a family and a resource and a support system for them. And we thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Jeremiah and everything that he's teaching us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.